0: I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The world we inhabit is not as free or certain or safe as you might think. The things that you believe to be unassailably evident are little more than shadows dancing behind a curtain, a masquerade, crafted and dutifully upheld by an organization known as the Foundation. The file you are about to hear contains containment procedures, descriptions, testing logs, historical, and in some cases, first-hand accounts of the anomalous objects the Foundation serves to secure, contain, and protect— Its contents have been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. Dr. Catherine Sinclair practically threw the mug of coffee in her face. Alarms were sounding all over town, and this had now become an official Sloth's Pit Halloween crisis. She was working on three hours of sleep and very little time. What's the situation? Montgomery Reynolds held his phone with one hand, the other tying his dreadlocks into a more manageable ponytail. 372s, a 179, a 492, a 997, and a 48. And the sun's not even up yet. Wonderful. Sinclair threw on her coat. What's a 48 again? Zombie attack? It's 84. Code 48 is... He scrolled and frowned. Food shortage at the site. Agents are taking care of that, at least. We're on the 179. Spontaneous cult activity. Sinclair slid into her shoes. Please tell me they don't have Kool-Aid. That's 180. Cult activity, suicide imminent. He frowned as they made their way out the door. That was a joke, wasn't it? It was, she admitted, crossing to their car. I've been listening to podcasts about Jonestown. Fascinating, horrible stuff. Makes me glad I left. She paused and cleared her throat. throat) Anyway. Reynolds frowned. Sinclair had been involved with something before she had joined the foundation. Whispers around the site were that she was ex-serpent's hand, but he couldn't imagine anyone from the hand willingly joining the foundation. He was ex-GOC, and he knew what forced conditioning looked like. It didn't look like a woman whose hair was practically flowing around her between the cold October wind and the sheer amount of anxious magical energy within her. She climbed into the car. You drive. I need to make some preparations. Reynolds nodded, climbing into the car with her. He raised Raised an eyebrow as he saw Sinclair put a set of handcuffs in the glove box. Dare I ask? Been trying to do those escapology courses from Theta 44. You know, smoke and mirrors, she explained. Forgot they were in my pocket. I figured it'd come in handy in our line of work. And you don't want a repeat of April? Reynolds' face grew warm. It wasn't your fault. Sinclair patted his arm as he started the car. Those keys are small. Anyone could lose them. Reynolds smiled at that and started down the street, passing an entire field of bizarrely tall scarecrows that weren't there two days ago. How have they still not evacuated everyone? Allison scowled through the clear plastic of her riot helmet, plexiglass shield held out in front of her. People were lined up down Main Street, holding signs that said, Our Town, Our Rights, and USA, not SCP, and other such slogans. Allison swore she saw inhuman forms among them. Maybe it was the Goat Man in his kind. Maybe it was some kind of illusion caused by the phobic entity. She didn't know. Been three days since this shit started... I'm just wondering how 59 justified what they did to Amityville for almost a decade. Robert Toffelmeyer stood next to her, shoulder to shoulder, in a long line of agents. It hasn't even been a week, and I'm sick of having to act like the boot on a human face. Just reminds you that we're not the good guys. Allison checked the riot gun by her side. Beanbag launchers were less than lethal, but that didn't mean they couldn't kill someone. Remember, aim for center mass, not the head. I remember the training, Allison. Robert snapped. He never snapped, and his expression showed he regretted it the instant he spoke. Sorry, just, it's getting to me, this whole thing. I get what you mean, but anyone who thinks what the Foundation does is good, or even just, is delusional. She raised her shield to deflect an empty beer can. There's a difference between locking up a zombie virus to try to develop a cure, and locking up ordinary people for trying to protest. Hans, are we the baddies? Allison was thankful her mask hid the disgusted smirk she was wearing. Get the tear gas grenade off my belt, roll it, don't throw. Less likely to hit someone. As Robert grabbed for it, a gunshot rang through downtown. The din of the protesters turning into anxious silence. When a scream of no came, and then the second shot, they began to disperse. To a degree, many of them to the closest building they could find. The lights inside going off, some store owners putting down steel shutters. The comms turned into frantic chatter, trying to locate the source of the gunshot. Squads were dispersed in groups of two or three to try to find it. Allison and Robert were together, naturally, and they ran south based off of Robert's instinct. It couldn't have been more than three minutes since the shots rang out when they reached their apparent origin, the 400 block of South Wozniak. The buildings were a little run down. Several businesses there had closed due to the virus, and whether they'd reopen was still up in the air. But it looked safe enough. Sitting on the ground, clutching his arm, was the tall and dreadlocked form of Montgomery Reynolds. He screamed in anguish as blood flowed from beneath his fingers. Easy, easy. Robert drew a first aid kit from his belt, using a pair of scissors to cut along Reynolds' sleeve. Come on, let's see if there's an ex... He paused. Alice? What? Allison had taken up a defensive position on the side of the car opposite of Reynolds. Get him over here. Come on. He, He's barely even grazed. There's a lot of blood, but it didn't hit anything. Robert helped Reynolds to his feet, and I don't think he's in physical pain. Allison blanched as she realized who the car belonged to and who was absent. Where's Sinclair? That motherfucking son of a bitch took her. Reynolds stood, yelling, "'Catherine!' Slow down, slow down. Robert managed to at least get some gauze over the wound and tape before Reynolds started to storm off. Who took her, and what were you doing here? Got a report of cult activity." Reynolds pressed the gauze on his arm. We dispatched to investigate. It was a trap. Freak took Catherine. It looked like a burned corpse. It shouldn't have been able to move that fast. Who issued the report? Allison took the tablet from out of the car's passenger seat. We didn't scan a 179. She tapped the report, finding it filled with garbage data, barring the GPS coordinates and the name of the agent who filed it. Who the fuck is Benedict Carlyle? Catherine Sinclair had a burlap sack pulled roughly off her head. She shook the hair out of her face and found herself inside of a circle of salt. Beyond that were three bare walls and a large steel door. Some kind of storage unit? There was a store for you on the outskirts of town, near the edge of the Nexus Zone. But how had she gotten here? In answer, a blur of motion moved through the shadows. A single bare bulb ignited above her, briefly blinding her. What the fuck, she hissed. Who's there? Instead of a reply, there was a scratch of needle against vinyl, some popping sounds, and then the unmistakable opening chords of Smash Mouth's Walking on the Sun. It had been a favorite song of hers back when she was in college, when she met... No, she swallowed. You're you're dead. I burned you to a crisp. This isn't real. From the shadows, a form stirred, its face peered into the light. At first, Sinclair recoiled, sure that she was looking at 106 or some other equally horrible thing, but 106 was rotted, not burned, and instead of the jacket it wore for some reason nobody had been able to explain, this corpse wore a Pittsburgh Panthers t shirt, with the bottom half of it largely charred. It spoke with a rasping whisper. It ain't no joke, Kit Kat. It sounded almost exactly like her ex-boyfriend. Benedict Burnout Carlyle was one of the best pyromancers the Serpent's Hand had seen in the modern age, and he had drawn Sinclair into the world of the anomalous in October of 2001. He was her first love, a partner in crime, a rebellious spirit, and he was also very much dead. The being's face creaked as he smiled. His eyes were melted out of their sockets, staining his cheeks with their residue. We have so, so much catching up to do. He shook his head. Do you think I wasn't going to come back to bite you? The serpent herself chose me. He crossed the salt boundary, careful not to disturb the physical barrier. Somehow, he failed to disturb the spiritual one as well, which should have been impossible. Crossing a magical circle breaks the sanctity of it, but he had practically skipped over it to get right into her face. I've always been with you, Catherine. As long as your memory of me lives, I cannot be vanquished. Sinclair headbutted him, or tried to. He sprang back out of the circle with a speed greater than his condition should have allowed. A rasping laugh, which almost turned into a bleat at the end, sounded. Fucking jailers. No taste for theatrics. You were always going to turn coat. I was an idiot to think otherwise. And you were always insane. Sinclair rolled her neck. She'd braced for an impact that never came and was sure she felt something pop from it. You wanted to burn down our fucking college because you didn't want to do the work, plagiarized a paper, and got expelled. Not the whole college, he pointed out, just the dean and the student union. But if that's where the dean decided he was going to be, then too bad for him. Sinclair spat at him. It didn't even reach the edge of the circle. What the hell do you want? Instead of responding, he pulled a small metal cart from the shadows that covered the rest of the room. A set of long, pointed tools were on it, all rusted, all dirty, and several serrated. Do you know why the lobotomy was so popular for so long? Sinclair swallowed. The foundation had a role in it. They wanted to make sure tight blues couldn't use their abilities. He nodded. An average lobotomy pick can't quite reach the pineal gland, but if you scramble the frontal lobe enough, it's the same basic effect. You lose all sense of spirituality, creativity, and without either of those things, you lose magic. He spun the pick in his hand. The Sinclair I knew would rather die than give up her magic, but, well, I don't want to kill you. I just want you to do some things for me. Sinclair spat again. Fuck off. The pick flew at the inside of her right elbow. She expected pain, but there wasn't even blood on her clothing. He hit an acupuncture point. Everything below her right elbow went numb. She tried to move it, only to hear the rattling of handcuffs. Language, Kit Kat, Carlyle tisked. I have a proposal. What? Burn every jailer in this town alive, or lose your magic forever. I have vital signs. Allison sighed with relief. But I can't get a topographical fix. Her chips are pinging off every router in town. Same here, Toffelmeyer confirmed. What the hell? Is this thing a hacker now? In the back seat, Reynolds was actually, genuinely praying. It was a soft prayer in a language that neither of them spoke. At first, Toffelmeyer assumed it was some kind of spell, but there wasn't that crackle of energy in the air that accompanied him and Sinclair doing that kind of thing. Occasionally, they'd hear him utter a desperate please. "'Reynolds,' Allison snapped. "'Get it together. Last time something like this happened, you charged into the woods after her with a magic fucking cavalry saber. I I knew what took her that time. I don't know what this is,' he panted. And i He swallowed. "'She—' "'She didn't know I loved her. Not then.' Toffelmeyer frowned. She always knew, Mal. Everyone did. This isn't like you. You're... His frown deepened. This isn't like you. Allison started the car and drove. Three minutes later, they came upon what had once been a body shop, before it had closed down from the pandemic drying up business. She exited the car to open the garage, drove in, and closed it behind them. What are you... Robert began... I think he's having a prolonged panic attack. Darkness and quiet helps. I have one that lasted an entire day. We just have to let him let it out. Pathetic, Reynolds sniffed. Almost 50, and I'm sobbing like, don't dwell on that. Allison put a hand on his arm. We just, we need to calm down, Montgomery. You're our only other blue with any real skill, and you know Sinclair better than anyone. She squeezed his arm. Can you put together a tracking spell? I, he swallowed. I need to be calmer. Strong emotions interfere with with magic he shook his head and i need to be sober to do it robert tapped his tablet making sure the light was low enough that it didn't disturb reynolds bringing up his vitals now blood sugar's low think food might help Seven Eleven around the corner go allison nodded robert quickly exited the car and made his way out of the garage leaving the other two agents sitting in the dark have you ever lost someone you loved Allison chewed her lip. Never really loved anyone. Not the way you love Sinclair. She shook her head. But Bob tore me apart when I found him on the ground like that. Fought to bring him back. She squeezed his arm softly. You're not going to lose her mouth. I promise. As soon as those words left her lips, she felt the weight fall on her soul. She knew that she had made a horrible mistake and had possibly cost Sinclair her life. Carlyle lazily threw another pick at Sinclair. It impacted with a soft grunt from his prisoner. I'm getting bored of this, Catherine. It's simple. Just burn those motherfuckers you fell in bed with, literally if I understand, to individual carbon atoms and you can go. He tilted his head. Or do you not think I'm serious? Do you not think I'm the real Ben Carlyle?" Sinclair glared up at him. Her entire body was covered in various needles, spikes, picks, and pointed implements that had buried themselves in acupuncture points across her body. Somehow she wasn't spurting blood everywhere, but she was numb in a dozen places, in excruciating pain in a dozen others. She struggled to speak, to breathe. Please, she choked out, you were never this adventurous. With a crunching flick of his burned wrist, a handful of pointed objects were extracted from Sinclair's flesh. She felt the pain subside to a dull ache. What do you think I am, then? Something that's invaded my town. A phobic entity. Not a phobophage, I don't think. They get too fat to operate on Halloween. Carlisle rolled his eyes. Your town, please. This town belongs to the people, not your fascist regime. He tilted his head, though... Given what the country's set to look like for the next decade, I suppose this is a reasonable practice run. Sinclair laughed. You're trying to be an oracle now? You could barely see the end of your nose and you're saying you see the future? She tried to shake her head, though it flopped to one side more than anything. And the damnedest thing is, I'm not even afraid of you. Her arm twitched against the handcuffs holding her. Hard to scare someone with a dead ex they didn't even like at the end. He shook his head. What would you do then? Kill your fear? Even if I was a phobic entity or whatever bull the jailers are feeding you, it's a very bad idea to kill fear. And secretly, Carlisle was in the circle, whispering in her ear, Humans love fear. I don't follow. Carlisle chuckled, stepping out of the salt circle. Fear begets anger begets hate. People like being afraid because it gives their life, well, maybe not meaning, but an antagonist. An enemy force in a war. A vague mass of anger out to destroy your way of life. A disease that'll wipe out humanity as we know it. Without fear, we wouldn't give a rat's ass about any of it. He spoke a word and threw the ice pick over his shoulder, where it hovered in midair in front of Sinclair's right eye. I'm your antagonist, Kit Kat. I'm a survival mechanism. I'm Darwin's wet dream. I'm remembering why we took a break after you took freshman philosophy. Sinclair grunted as she inched away from the ice pick, dragging the chair ever so slightly with her. Stick that in the wrong place and I won't be able to feel the fear you're preaching. Actually, the amygdala controls that response. It's too far in for an ice pick. He looked over his shoulder. I suppose I could lengthen it. Screw you, Sinclair spat. We've been kicking your ass around side 87 for the last month, whatever you are. If you think you're a big shot, guess what? You're stuck here. That gave him pause. What was that? Anomalies that enter a nexus like this have a hell of a time leaving. Every time I leave town, I have to get out of my car and walk over the boundary because I feel like I'm going to be squashed against the seat and I'm just a mortal goddamn mage. She looked up at Carlisle. If you weren't born of this nexus, guess what? You're stuck here now and it's just a matter of time before we figure out how big your cell needs to be so we can lock you up and throw away the key. Liar, he snapped. You lying. Bitch! "'You lying fucking bitch, piece of shit, motherfucking bitch!' "'Hey, that was one of his tics,' Sinclair chuckled. "'Whenever he felt like he was losing control, he'd start swearing like a sailor. "'The stream of swears was stopped. "'The form of Carlyle stood upright, fluid, "'no longer taking on the stiff and rigid motions of a burned corpse. "'Control,' he laughed. "'Oh, I am an idiot, Kit Kat. Thank you.' "'Sinclair's heart sank. "'For what?' "'That's what I'm missing!' That's what people are actually afraid of in the end. Not of death or insects, zombies, or even their insignificance. They're afraid of not being in control. He laughed a loud, bleeding laugh. I've been here for too long, and even I know not to leave witnesses after giving a monologue like that. With a flick of his hand, the ice pick drove itself through Sinclair's eye. She gasped, her body jerking, nerves firing randomly. She coughed, gagged, and then her body went slack. Within seconds, all that was left was a dead body in an empty room. Allison Carroll and Robert Toffelmeyer were drawn to the parking lot of the store-for-you facility by a charm Reynolds had cooked up. A lock of Sinclair's hair tied to a 50-cent piece at the end of a string hanging from their car's rearview mirror. It had taken them half an hour to triangulate the position. Okay, Allison exited the car, holding the makeshift medallion in her hand. It floated in front of her, pointing the way roughly to Sinclair's location. It looks like it's pointing toward row K, cover me. Roger, Toffelmeyer's heart hurt for some reason. You ever get the sense of impending doom, Alice? All the time. She walked slowly, footsteps heavy against the concrete. Then, as they crossed past the first two units of the row, the medallion suddenly went limp. What What does that mean? Reynolds said the spell would work as Toffelmeyer's eyes widened. As long as she was alive... The two of them smashed at the locks of over half a dozen units with crowbars. Robert found her. He couldn't believe it was her. Catherine Sinclair had fiery red hair, pale skin, and far too many freckles. It couldn't have been her slumped over in that chair, hands cuffed behind her back, a fucking ice pick in the eye, but there she was. Jesus Christ. Robert tugged at his hair. What the fuck? What the fuck? How the... This isn't supposed to happen. This is... He sat down in the corner of the unit, letting out a gasping sob. Fuck! Allison swallowed. I promised him we we could have saved her. Allison crossed over to Sinclair's body. She put on gloves, checking for a pulse, knowing it was a feeble gesture. She had once heard someone say that the leading cause of death in America was hope. She didn't know who, and she wasn't sure she cared. What the fuck are we going to tell Reynolds? Allison sighed, moving to close Sinclair's intact eyelid. As she did, she felt cracks form along the skin of the corpse. Her eyes widened. No way. What? What? Robert looked up, staring at what he saw happening to Sinclair's face. All along her forehead and the left side of it, a keyboard conforming to the shape of her face had appeared. He blinked tears from his eyes. What the... I- Allison, what is that? Allison experimentally tapped on several of the keys. The entire room around them changed. Every surface glowed with a white light, with darkness in uneven patterns atop it. A single black bar blinked in one corner of the room where text forms that said... A single black bar blinked in one corner of the room. Holy shit, Allison stared. I don't know what this is going to do to us. Bob, come over here. I want you to be safe when I do this. Do what? Robert came to her side. Are are you going to try to fucking narrate her back to life? I don't know if you remember, but last time that happened, I got poorly defined superpowers. Apparently, so did I. Allison screwed up her eyes, and in an instant, a large swath of the text on the wall was highlighted in blue. So glad I don't have to work with a typewriter input for this. Have you done this before? Robert asked. Not as such. I've done smaller things, but we're talking about at least an hour of time here that I'm going to have to edit. She wrinkled her nose. I'm not going to do major edits. I'm just going to add in a few lines. Her eyes scanned the wall for applicable passages. She landed on one from far earlier in the day, and Allison grinned. See? There. She missed a gun. As in rifle or checkoff. off? Check off. I can feel it. There was a way for her to escape. She just didn't see it in time. She swallowed. Hold on. This is going to get weird. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear... Follow the link in the description to patreon.com scpunredacted and help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. You can get access to production logs, merchandise, recognition, and even a part in a skip. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki, upvote their work, and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. I'm Grigory Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at Anchor.fm/simply-creative-people or follow us on Twitter at simcreat.